0: Joy! Woo! I don't know about anybody else, I'm glad that I'm here. Hallelujah. Like my pastor in Texas used to say, uh, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in town. Praise God. Amen. It's good to have you with us this morning. As uh, you heard, uh, we are finishing up our series. This is part three of One Small Step. And uh, uh, boy, I tell you what, I don't know about anybody else, but I've enjoyed this series, uh, particularly after there is more. There is more. Kind of the thought of, you know, this this big God, this God of miracles, this God of the awesome, this God who is so powerful, he said that, that he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. God can do far more than you ask or you th- can even think. How, how, however big you can imagine, God can still do more. That tells us that no matter how far we think we are, no matter how how maybe far we have yet to come, there's still more, there's still more, there's still more. And I I, want to keep pressing that thought that for you individually, there is still more. But what's really exciting, for me at least, is that when all of us together begin to embrace that thought, and kind of what we say often, everybody can do more than somebody can, but when we all embrace that thought, think about what would happen inside of a church that believed there's still more. Not more for somebody else, Not more for younger people, older people, smarter people, skinnier people, healthier people, fatter people. Not more for somebody else, more for me. But how is that more accomplished? It's accomplished with one small step. And we've been learning what a step is. And how many of you remember that that, that while it looks like this is a step, this is not a step? Amen? Because a step says what? A step says that I'm going somewhere and I'm leaving somewhere. There's a lot of Christians that go somewhere, and eventually what happens is the step becomes a seat. And we sit down and we rest because we think, well, I can't go any farther. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. Or I'm a little bit afraid to go a little bit farther. And yet the scripture tells us in Psalms chapter 37, and and this has been our key text over the last couple of weeks, but in Psalms 37, it says, the steps of the God-pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. How many of you are God-pursuing ones? All right, about half of you are. Well, then the rest of you need to get off of the seat. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you should be following in his footsteps. And if you'll notice, those footsteps don't stop. Those footsteps keep going. And that's what the psalmist is saying. That's what the the writer is saying. The the steps of the God-pursuing ones... And I don't know why it is in our followership of Christ that sometimes <clears throat> we have the tendency to stop pursuing. We have the tendency to, 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 to let up, take our foot off the gas, and, and, and we shouldn't do that. And then he says, and God delights, God delights, God delights in every step they take to follow him. God delights in every step. And I know that we've kind of covered that, but I I want to remind you of a couple things. Every time, no matter how small it is, no matter how insignificant it would seem, God rejoices. Every time you take a step to follow him. And if God rejoices in those steps, and I think it's important for us to pay attention to what causes God to rejoice. He says that, that, that all of heaven rejoices, that the angels of heaven rejoice when one person repents, when one person says, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. We think maybe that's a small thing, but God says, man, that is everything. That causes me to rejoice. And it's the same thing. When we take a step of followership, an acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ, when we take that step of followership, he gets excited. He rejo- Just like you as a parent, when your little one was like, come on, take it. And they took a step, and you're telling everybody, that's what God does. And so why don't we rejoice in the steps? And I, I think part of the reason that we don't, don't rejoice in the steps, we, don't under, we underestimate the value or the power of one step. We underestimate how powerful really it could be that if we just took one more step, and, and that's sort of what we were talking about last week, That 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 sometimes... Now I know this is not news to you, but I don't want to camp here necessarily either, because I don't want to, I don't want to give the wrong impression. But but sometimes life's hard. Has anybody ever noticed that? That sometimes there's stuff that happens that's just it's hard. It's just hard, and sometimes being a Christian is not easy. And. Unfortunately, in America, we like easy. We, we want drive-through Christianity. We want microwave Christianity. We want Amazon Christianity where I can get it in a day and a half, you know, kind of a thing. And, and I can track it while it's, while it's on its way. I can see that it's left Chicago, that it's now in Minnesota, that it's now at, at my post office, that it's now been delivered to my house. And that's how we want God to work. We want God to say to every, you know, like, okay, well, all right, I I just prayed. Now God has heard. Now he's dispatched so-and-so. Now we want that to happen, but that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. And sometimes that step seems like it's a step into darkness. It's a step into the unknown, and that step causes fear. And yet God says, I want you to rejoice in that. But we need to understand it. in that idea, in the process, in the process, and where does the promise lie? Remember that the promise lies on the other side of the process, and hard is a part of the process. Christianity is, we say this often here at Joy, Christianity is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple. But it's not easy. It is simple to understand. And there's a process that God wants us to bring us through so that we can get to the promise. And when we get to the promise, praise God, we will have something that will last. We will have something that we will appreciate because we fought the fight and we've now inherited the promise. We've now gained a part of that promise. So... That's the last two weeks in, in in a small nutshell. As much as I'd like to preach that uh, again, because it was kind of fun, and I apologize if you're if you're not a accu- I don't apologize apologize, but if you are unaccustomed to passionate preaching, I apologize for the last couple of weeks because I just was screaming and hollering. And I'm, uh, <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's good Amen or bad Amen or like Yeah, you were and that was embarrassing uh, uh, or scary. Some people are scary and and I, and. and I, <laughs> There's just a desire in me. There's a passion in me. And I I want this so bad for this church, for this congregation. And so as I was thinking about the last couple of weeks in context of where we are today and and, and we are kicking off Joy to the World 2019, we'll be talking about that over the next month. But I I, I was considering something. If the steps of the righteous, if the steps of the God-following ones are ordered by the Lord... And that takes into account a lot of theology, a lot of thought, a lot of what, what the Bible tells us in Ephesians and other places in the New Testament and the Old Testament, that God's got a plan for your life, that there is something that he, uniquely, that he has uniquely equipped you to do. But if my steps of followership, and, and, and I know we've used this illustration a couple weeks ago, but, but sometimes I've been this person that these are my steps. Anybody feel like that? That my steps have just led me in a circle. There are are other people that this is their steps. They're marching. They're making a lot of noise, but they ain't going anywhere. Oh, look at me. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Woohoo! Praise God. Amen. That's right. And I'm marching myself right over here. We talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. So where are my steps leading me? If God wants me to go somewhere, where is the somewhere he wants me to go, and how can I know I'm on the right path? How can I know I'm on the right path? I don't have an answer for you, so I'd like to close the service uh, with that. You're left off on your own. (laughs) No, in Proverbs 4.26, it says, ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. Look at where your feet are taking you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways. Where am I going? And let your direction, let your ways, let your direction be established as you walk. (laughs) I like the Living Bible. It says, watch your step. Stick to the path and be safe. Watch your step. Stay on the path. Stick to the path. The steps of a righteous man, they're ordered by God. There are steps he wants us to walk. Stick to the path. Stay on the path. Be safe. That means that if I wander off of the path, there's danger, Will Robinson, danger. Only old people get that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, all the old people are going, wait a minute. See? I forget what it is that you can take for your brain to help your memory. Uh, But anyway, no. But when I think about, Sandra, you warned me about jokes in the middle of the sermon. And I told her, I don't plan them. (laughs) And actually, some of them aren't even funny. So there you go. It wasn't a joke. So again, if our steps are ordered by the Lord, where are these steps that have been ordered by the Lord taking me? And if they're ordered by the Lord, how do I know that I'm on the right path? And every time I talk about something, I get into steps, I get into process. I think back to a series that we did several, probably 10 years ago that we called Road Trip. And we had a beautiful car on one side of the stage. And, and then we had a beat-up demolition derby car on the other side that I was privileged to drive at the Benton County Fair. A lot of fun. and, and uh, uh, but, but there's a disconnect often that, that many of us have. We want we want the steps of the Lord that bring us to the promise. We want that. We want... and, and, and I hope you don't misunderstand this imagery for like climbing the ladder of success in terms of this life. And that's, that's really not what the, there's an important component. God does want you to be blessed in this life. He wants you to be successful in this life. He wants you to be an example in this life of God's goodness, God's grace, God's love, God's provision. Uh, you know, he is El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. He's not El Chipo, He's not El Miserable. He doesn't want you miserable, doesn't want you poor, doesn't want you broke. He wants you healthy, wealthy, blessed. I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe you can find it in every book of the Bible. But there are difficult moments that we all go through. And there's, there's, there's process and there's pain and there's heartache in all of that before we get to the promise sometimes. And so uh, when we consider this, consider the path, consider your steps, consider your direction where you're going. And we made this statement during this series, your direction, not your intention, but your direction will determine your destination. And I know this is not real deep, but the direction you're heading, no matter how much you desire, no matter how much you pray, no matter how sincere you are, the direction that you're heading in life will determine your destination. And if I continue to walk and continue to walk, and, and, and my wife's sitting here, she's like always afraid I'm going to fall off of the thing. I get too close. And, and really, it's just if I'm on the edge, I know right where I am sort of a thing. And there have been a few times uh, uh, that, anyway, it hasn't been successful. But anyway, no matter how much I would desire that, you know what, I'm going to keep walking, but I hope I don't fall off, hope I don't fall off, hope I don't. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to fall off. Why? Because my direction determines my destination. And no matter what it is in your life, and and people live with this disconnect. Yes, I want everything that God has for me, but my direction says I don't want anything that God has for me. The Bible says that if I draw close to God, what is God going to do? Draw close to me. And if God is drawing close to me, that means that I'm in union with him. I'm in fellowship with him. That means that he's saying something and I'm hearing, and I'm saying something and he's hearing, and, 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 and we're living life that way, things are going on that way. Your direction, more than anything else, is going to determine where you end up. And so your direction in your dating life, your direction in your finances. I want to be financially independent, so I'm going to use my credit cards and spend every penny I ever get. Guess what? Your direction, more than your, more than your desire, more than your intention, is going to determine where you end up. I want a good Christian man, so I'm going to go to every bar, hope that I can find one. We laugh about that. And people do it every day in areas of their life, in areas of their walk, in areas of their journey. Your destination is determined by the direction of your life, which is why the, 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 the book of Proverbs says, consider the path, consider your direction, take a look and understand where you are. Because every single day you're making decisions that determine your direction. What we said it a couple of weeks ago, I want to remind you of it. The kingdom of God is a place where destinies are determined by day-to-day decisions. The kingdom of God is a place where one small step, one small decision, I I, I could have pressed the snooze button and fell asleep again, but instead I got up and I went to church. And because I went to church, I met somebody and somebody spoke something into my life that made a difference, one small step. So my steps being determined by the Lord. So here's the question I want you to consider this morning. And I want you to ask God about it. Is the path that I'm on leading me where I want to go? Is the path that I'm on leading me to where I want to end up? And this is called living intentionally. Living with the end in mind. The psalmist said that we should uh, number our days. Help me to live. It was the prayer that Moses prayed. Help me to live as if my days are numbered. I have a limited amount of days So help me to use those days wisely. When I understand that my days are limited, that brings wisdom into my life as to how I will use the limited days that I have. Because in my days, I make decisions. And those decisions bring me to the destiny that God hopefully has for me. Or they bring me away from the destiny that God has for me. So is the path I'm on leading me where I want to go financially, relationally? Is the path I'm on in my career leading me where I want to go? Is the the path that I'm on in, in, in my walk with God leading me to a deeper walk with God? Do I want more of God, but I'm never gonna give him any time? And really, the more important question that I wanna ask you this morning, the more important question I want you to consider today is the path that I'm on leading me to where God wants me to go. Is the path that I'm on leading me where god wants me to go and i know that's a huge question that's a difficult one to answer and i think that for many 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 of you in this church like me as well i don't want to be walking in circles when god's leading me i certainly don't want to be marching in place just making noise man that's been way too much of the body of christ hello it's been way too much of us we make a lot of noise But usually our noise is we're against this and we're against that. We're going to pick at this. We're going to protest that. It's sad to me when the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is known more for what it's against than what it's for. Amen? And so we want to change that. (laughs) I want us to change that. And so... The more important question is, is the path that I'm on leading me where God wants me to go? And really, this question is, I think, summarized kind of in this statement. There's more to this life than this life. Say that to this side. There's more to this life than this life. There's more. Look at the person next to you and say, this life is awesome. Look at the person, look at them back and say, but there's more. There's more to this life than this life. And that brings in, at least for me, it brings in the eternal question. It brings in the eternal thought. It brings in, it it makes us live with eternity in mind. Because the path that I'm walking eventually is going to bring me to eternity. The path I'm walking is eventually going to bring me to the eternal realm that God, in a sense, resides in. We call it heaven or, or hell if you've missed the path, if you've made the wrong choice while you're here on earth. Somebody said, this earth, this earth walk. Your life here on planet earth, it's dress rehearsal for the next life. Paul said this to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. It says this, you have no right to criticize your brother or look down on him. We could stop and preach on that and you'd all get excited. Yes, amen, that's right. Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. It's really easy for us, isn't it, to, to see what's wrong with other people to see where they're missing it, to see what they should change, to see what they should do. And God is telling through the Apostle Paul, he's telling his church, and he's saying, quit pointing at other people. When I sit down and I make noise, you could probably pick out five people. uh, They're just like that. You don't have a right to judge that person. The only person you can judge is the one who looks back at you from the mirror. He goes on, he says, remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. The judgment seat can also be interpreted the, the reward seat Actually, the Hebrew word or Greek word is the bema seat. It means reward. It's like the, it was the seat that the Olympic athletes would come before, and the king would give them their prize, give them their wreath, give them their whatever. And that's, in a sense, what we will all stand before. Verse 11, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue confess to God. Yes, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Each one of us. You, me, all God's children going to give an account of our life to God. The steps that we've taken, what we've done in this life, the path that we've been on, the direction of our life, we will give an accounting. An accounting. God will look at the ledger, ledger sheet of our life and He'll say, I gave you this, 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 these opportunities over here. You made these decisions. Here's the ledger sheet. There's a little bit of deficit here or, or, or well done, good and faithful servant. So if my steps are ordered by the Lord, if my steps are carrying me somewhere, how do I know if this life isn't all there is, if there's more to this life than this life, how do I know I'm on the right path? How do I know that my steps are taking me in the way that I should go? I don't want to wander off the path. I don't want to wander somewhere where maybe I might fall and, and get hurt. Or miss out on what God has for me. How do I know? Here's the first step. Here, here's a couple of sign po- or a couple of thoughts. Number one, the most important step and the most important thing that you'll ever do is answer this question: What do I do with Jesus? What do I do with Jesus? And I would venture to guess that almost all of you in this room this morning at the 9 o'clock service have said to Jesus, Yes, you are my Lord. Yes, you are my Savior. Yes, I give you my life. Paul said in Romans 10 9 and 10, if we confess that Jesus, if we believe, or if we, if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and in that is the nutshell of the gospel God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, God's Son, came to this earth as a man. He lived his life for 33 years, and then he died on a cross, and his blood was shed, and he went to hell. And he paid for your sin, he paid for my sin, and then he destroyed hell, he crushed hell, and he rose again on the third day, triumphing over death, over hell, and the grave. And so whenever you hear somebody say, I just don't think that a loving God would ever send somebody to hell, you can say, you are exactly right, God does not send anyone to hell. Hell is a place that people can go to to pay for their sin. Hell is the place that people go to to pay for their sin. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So every man, woman, boy, and girl has to go to hell to pay the price for their sin unless unless they accept the offer of Jesus. Because Jesus died. And he went to hell. And he paid your price. He paid the price for every man, woman, boy, and girl. And that is the message. And so the question is, what have you done with Jesus? Do you believe that he is God's son sent from God, died on a cross, shed his blood? So you don't have to pay that price. And Paul said, if you believe that and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. Is the question that Pilate asked. When the crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him, what should I do with him that is called Christ? And that is the question that every single man, woman, boy, and girl is going to have to answer. When you stand before God on that judgment seat of Christ, that that reward seat of Christ on that day, that is paramount. What did you do with Jesus here on planet Earth? And that's the first question you got to answer. But the second one is even more important. And the second one is this. What did you do with what God gave you? When you said yes to Jesus, there was something that was imparted to your spirit. There was a, you, you were impregnated, if you will, by the spirit of God so that you would give birth to something that he's put on the inside of you. In 1 Peter 4 and 10, it says, God has given each of you or some of you. Where's the rest? It's a ghost verse. Oh, there it is. God has given each of you some special abilities. How many of you? How many of you? Each one of you. That's why everybody can do more than somebody. God's given each one of you special abilities. Well, that was nice of God. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to open up that gift. Oh, look what I got. Woohoo! No, that's that's the first step. That's the first half of the step. God's given you special abilities. Yes, amen. That's right. He's given you special abilities. But then he says, be sure to use them. Why? (laughs) To help each other. You've been given special abilities, and those special abilities are designed to help others. I said others. 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 (laughs) Others. To help others, passing on, other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Part of the reason we do Growth Track here at Joy, we want you to know God. We want you to connect with Him. We want you to be a part of this church and, and, and using your gifts. That's week three that, that Pastor John does when we talk about discovering those gifts. And then today, week four, is putting those gifts together with the entire church body to make a difference. To make a difference in central Minnesota as well as around this church. And so it takes every gift. It takes all of us. I I, I just continue to believe that everything that this church needs is right here. It's kind of like what one pastor said one time. The good news is every bill has been paid. Every debt has been paid. The bad news is the money's still in your pockets. Well, it's the same thing with the gifts of God. It's the same thing. Everything that this church needs to be successful for the next season that God wants to bring us into, it's already here. There's gifts in you. There's special abilities in you, but they need to be drawn out. That it takes faith to faith is required to operate that gift that's in you. Opportunity is required to operate that gift that's in you. Discovery and and, and growing that gift that's in you is all required, and that's part of the iron that sharpens iron. We work together to accomplish something awesome for God. So, steps of the righteous, they're ordered by the Lord. Where are my steps taking me? Well, my step is taking me into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's it's changing. It's, It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And then, after that, God puts something into you. That divine gift that you are to steward, that you are to allow out of you to bring blessing and increase to other people's lives. So how do I know I'm on the right path? Here's what's going to happen. Here here are some signposts. Here are some ways that you can look and see, that you can determine that you're taking right steps. And and, and, and signposts that will keep you on track. Here's the first one. Look for opportunities. Uh, You're going to hate this. But look for opportunities to share Christ. Boy, this is tough. You know, looking for opportunities, that's one thing. There's a person that needs Jesus. There's a person that needs Jesus. It's engaging that person. You are going to see people and talk to people that some of us will never see or talk to. There are people that are ripe right now all around you. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, in verse twenty three, he said, "Well then," said his master, "Go out into the country lanes and out behind the hedges and urge anyone that you find to come, so that the house will be full." God wants you, and He wants me to invite people. To places and opportunities where they are going to be encountered or, or engaged with the gospel of Christ, and and if you're if you're maybe a little bit like you know shy, a little bit uncertain, bring them to church with you. Bring them to church. Pastor Brian, I'm afraid of what might happen. <laughs> so am I. We <laughs> too. We're all afraid of what might happen, but but I think that most of you are smarter than the average sinner. And there's something in here that you like, something in here that ministers to you. Why do you think you're so special and they're not? And I'll be honest with you, that's part of the reason that that some of our thought process, our strategy, I was talking to a pastor a couple of weeks ago, and I said, I want you to understand something, because he was saying something negative about a style of church, and and I said, I want you to understand something, we're kind of like that, at least... (laughs) I said, I, I said, but, but I want to define it on my terms, not your terms. And he was talking about being a seeker-sensitive church. Well, I've heard all of the bad stuff about seeker-sensitive churches. But how many of you know, in fact, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, if somebody comes into your church, you're doing all these crazy things, they're going to think you're mad. It got quiet in here all of a sudden. <clears throat> now, we give room to God. We give room to worship. We believe in the inspiration that God provides but you know what? We got a, a lot of Pres- 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 Luther Catholics around here. You know, we have people still struggling. Why don't we do communion every Sunday? How come we don't pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday? How can we, you know, and, and there's a lot of tradition that people miss when they walk into the doors of this church. They're not accustomed to, to lights. They're not accustomed to live worship. They're not accustomed to, to clapping. They're already freaked out before we get even, to, before I even get up and scream and holler. And so we try to bring our message in a way that people can understand, people can relate to. Because I think, I think that's important for us as a church to be able to do that and to, to provide a bridge, to provide. A lot of churches are like this ladder. They want to help people get to God, but they've taken out the bottom steps. And they expect people that don't know anything about God to take giant steps and you can't do it. Just a thought. So look for opportunities to share Christ. They're everywhere. There are people who are scared of the Republicans, and there are people who are scared of the Democrats, and there are people who are scared of everybody and everything, and guess what? You don't have to be afraid, do you? greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You know, they went to the Apostle Paul. Paul writes about this in the book of Philippians. They went to the Apostle Paul and they said, Paul, we're throwing you into prison. And Paul said, you know what? That's good because I need to write. I've been looking for some quiet time where I could just write. And Paul ended up writing the prison epistles. And then (laughs) they said, well, we're going to chain you to a guard. He goes, well, I need somebody to that. I can refine some of this teaching to, And I can talk to him. I'm going to lead him to Jesus. He said, we're going to kill you. And Paul was like, Paul was actually, his, his writing was, I don't know, I'm trying to decide to, to, to depart from this life and to be with Christ. That's better for me, but I feel like I need to stay here. And they're like, Paul, we're not giving you a choice. We're going to kill you. And Paul's like, well, good. Whether I live, whether I die, it's good. I'm going to be with Jesus. I win no matter what. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. And that's the eternal mindset that we have to have that, that I think we should live with. And so look for opportunities to share Christ. Secondly, look for opportunities to serve one another. Boy, those are everywhere. Look for opportunities to serve one another. Uh, 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 There's a scripture there. Where is it? Matthew chapter 20 and verse 26, I think, is where I want to go. I'm going to have to read this one because it's long. Oh, man, I blew through all of those ones. Matthew 20, 26 says this. But among you, it is quite different. Man, stop and think. Here's Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He says, I want you to understand something. For you, followers of Christ, it's different. You're going to have to take some different steps. There's a different responsibility because of what I'm asking of you. For you, it is different. Anyone wanting to be a leader among you must be your servant. And if you want to be right at the top, servanthood is going to get you there. You're going to have to be a servant if you want to... At least get to the top as what God is calling the top. Verse 28, your attitude must, your attitude lately, your attitude must be like my own. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I didn't come to be served. You know, I don't have time, shoot. I didn't come to be served, I came to give my life. I didn't come to be served, I came to give my life. Boy, that is a missing concept in me, in all of us. You know, we come to church to be served. We come to church to be ministered to. We actually should come to church to minister to others and be ministers unto, based on the gift that we have on the inside of us. And so, the path that I'm walking, the path, the steps that I'm taking, I need to, I need to look for opportunities to share Jesus. That's, that's really our prime directive. But also, I need to look for opportunities to serve other people. And then, thirdly, I need to look for opportunities to be involved financially. I need to look for opportunities to give. Paul said this to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 11. He said, yes, God will give you much. And I would love to tell you that we as Americans, we have more wealth than any other country in the world. We do, but it's all relative I I always get kind of bothered when somebody tries to tell me that just because, you know, somebody in some other country lives on 38 cents a day that I should, you know, consider that. I I, I don't, I don't, anyway. But I do believe this. God's going to give you much, but why? Why? So that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts, and this is what I like, it's the multiplication effect. Each one of us probably don't have a lot. But everybody can do more than somebody can. Everybody can do more than somebody can. And he said, when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. And so those three steps, those three signposts will keep you on track. Looking for opportunities to share Christ, looking for opportunities to serve according to your gift, and looking for opportunities to intentionally give of what has been given to you. Your money. Those three things will help keep you on track. You say, Pastor Brian, this process thing's hard. I don't. This doesn't come naturally to us. Sharing Jesus with somebody is scary sometimes. Serving, discovering my gift that puts a burden onto me, and serving somebody with my gift that's hard for me. Because I'm busy, and I got stuff to do, places to go, and I don't really even like people. (laughs) And and Pastor Ryan, I don't have enough money as it is. I I don't have anything. I want to be financially independent. I want to be able to give. Well, then you have to be intentional and start somewhere in every one of those areas. Your prayer says, God, help me to see somebody's need. You need to know, what's your gift? How can my gift be leveraged to help that person's need? In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, it says, Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Daily decisions bring you to the destiny that God has for you. Part of that daily decision means that we get to die to ourselves. We get to die to what I want. We get to die to what I feel. We get to die to our offense. We get to die to our hurt feeling. We get to die to my want, my desire, my this, my that, my way. I was at Hillsong Conference in July in New York City totally intimidated by the town and everything else awesome awesome time the morning service and, and it was everything was long everything was more and, and <clears throat> in the morning service there were a lot of praise and worship and, and throughout the entire conference but Thursday morning they did all of my favorite songs They did shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. They did uh, all of these different songs, you know. And I was just like, "Oh man, fifteen thousand people just rejoicing and worshiping with worshiping Jesus." It was so awesome. And then I came back Thursday night with all of that, and 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 then it was Hillsong United, which started out as their youth group, their youth band. They they were leading the worship, and I'm not. It was like, it was my shirt was going. And I, and I was kind of, you know, a little bit towards the back. And I, and I, I was like, oh, I was disappointed at first. I, oh, man. It's just, it's, I don't like this music. I don't know these words. And and then I, I looked around, and I, I'm looking down on the floor. There had to have been 8,000 young people. You know what they were doing? And I said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Because I wanted my thing. I wanted my stuff. I wanted my way. I wanted what I liked. But God, and I just started to pray for all of those young people. Because I know that we shouldn't say that young people are the future of the church, but they are. Eventually, you and I are going to pass from the scene. And only the things that we've done for Jesus, that's what's going to last. That's what's going to make a difference. And we can try to build protective bubbles around the stuff that we like around ourselves or we can begin to share we can begin to realize that other people maybe have different tastes and different styles different ways of doing things And so when we consider Joy to the World 2019, we'll talk about this more today is our, our launch we're taking steps with Joy to the World it has been my desire and, and, and again vision is like the headlights on the car we take a step and then we see a little bit more, we take a step, and we see a little bit more, we take a step, and we see a little bit more. If we fail to put the car into drive and we sit because our headlights aren't revealing enough of the path in front of us, we will never move. And so we began several years ago with this thought. And and, and we're gonna maintain one thing because I'm totally blown away and amazed with what 4995 can do. So for 4995, you can get involved in joy to the world. And, and, and we ask people in about, I forget the date. I think it's November 18th. Is that the date? November 18th, we'll come together. We're going to give you an opportunity to give, uh, $49.95. And uh, we will be amazed at, at what everybody can do. And I know for some, this is a tall order. It is a step of faith. For some people, this has been a testimony. I've never given $50 in one time, at one time. Never done it before until this time. That's breaking a barrier. That's taking a step. That's doing something. But, but we want to increase it. We want to enlarge it. I, I want us to see us in 2019 look for opportunities that we can leverage the gift, talent, and ability of this congregation to present Jesus to our community outside the four walls of this church in a way that we have never done it before. I want us to look for opportunities to serve other people with our gifts. I want us to, 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 to there's a lot of churches that do stuff like this, and, and I think it would be awesome for the United States to be encompassed with churches that are serving their communities with the love of Christ, doing things for them for no other reason, no other purpose than than we want you to know that there's a church and there's a people that want to serve you and help you where you are. And yes, we're going to continue to be a blessing to churches uh, throughout Minnesota, uh, uh, whether it's financially and, and the steps that we've been able to take in that and this past year. Uh, one of the things that we did was, uh, uh, you know, church up in in Fergus Falls, uh, Life Church, Pastor Patrick Herzog. They were starting a a, 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 a campus in uh, Fargo, and we were able to give twenty five thousand dollars, and 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 twenty five thousand dollars against two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, roughly, is what they invested to start this campus. Um, twenty five thousand dollars. That I, I thought a tithe would be good. And in one sense, that's not a lot. It's not. But, but what it, it is a lot. I don't want to minimize that at all. It, it, it's a lot for us as a church. But trust me, I was like, boy, there's a lot of things we could use $25,000 on around here. But anyway, I believe that when you give, God's going God's to gonna open up the windows of heaven. Blessings are going to come back to us. I, I believe that with all of my heart. But what I, I know happened for him and for his congregation was that it was a breath of fresh air for them. It helped them get across the finish line. It helped them to finish strong in that sense of of, of planting that church. And you heard the testimony uh, last week that, that their first Sunday, almost two hundred people were at that campus. Uh, around twenty people have already made Jesus the Lord of their life in that campus. Tremendous things are happening, and we get to we get some of that reward. So when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the reward seat of Christ, He's going to look at the ledger, ledger sheets. So, oh, that's right, you gave forty nine ninety five. And that 4995 was used to launch a church up, in, up in, in Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah, sure, don't you know? I can just hear God say that. Yeah, sure, yeah, betcha. You did good. Well done, don't you know? <laughs> All right, maybe not. But I don't think it will be in King James English either. All right, there we go. I need to pray. Thank you so much, Joy. We'll We'll, we'll be talking more about Joy to the World in the next couple of weeks. And if you're new here at Joy will tell you way more than you probably want to know, uh, but it still is that. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for this congregation. Thank you for the heart of the people here today. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've got a path for us to walk. And I thank you, Lord, that as we determine the steps of our path, as we walk the way that you want us to walk, we will be mindful of opportunities that we have to share Jesus, to share our Lord and Savior with others. We'll be mindful of the opportunity that we have to serve one another with the gifts that you've given to us. And Lord, I thank you that you bless and prosper us. I thank you that we say no to some things in our life so that we can say yes to joy to the world, so that we can say yes to blessing uh, other congregations and churches uh, uh, like ours. And so, Father, I thank you for that. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never taken that first step of surrendering your life and your future and your eternity to Christ. And maybe something that was said today resonates with that. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to Jesus this morning. I don't understand everything, but I'm willing to take a step. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up real high today? Just hold your hand up real high today. Say, Pastor, would you please pray with me this morning? Just hold your hand up real high. Yes, thank you, ma'am. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Just for a second. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for me. He paid the price for my sin. I confess today, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I believe in you. I thank you today that my price has been paid, that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name.